baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. for your drive home. Teams will say one thing. We'll, we'll find out who's interested and who's not. But, Mike, I don't know how any Falcon fan, any Falcon fan, could say out loud that Desmond Ritter is better than Lamar Jackson and be taken seriously. I don't know how any Falcon fan who is against the idea of us even just approaching this could look themselves in the mirror and say, yeah, I mean, we got Des. Are you going to be able to depend on him to stay healthy? And will you be you'll basically have to be perfect in everything you do in the draft and free agency because you're going to have no wiggle room because all of a sudden your cap space goes. This is Dukes and Bell on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Yeah, we're going to talk to Herm Edwards coming up here in 20 minutes. It's Dukes and Bell at Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. We'll get Herm's uh, opinions on this uh, situation with Lamar Jackson. I'm curious to know what he thinks about it and, you know, more importantly, uh, as we said yesterday, all the teams allegedly saying that they're out or not going to even, you know, attempt to contact Lamar and to talk about what the possibilities are. Um, I- I'm not a-, a true believer in all of that, but we'll see how it shakes out. Uh, there's a chance he could end up back with the Ravens for $32 million, which is why they did put the non-franchise or non-exclusive tag on him, Mike. We'll see how that shakes out. We'll talk with Herman, which is coming up in 20 minutes. Right now, let's talk some dogs. <laughs> Bell on the sidelines with the dogs. All right, let's talk to our man Connor Riley from Dog Nation. And Connor, a lot going on. We're getting ready for um, the pro day. But before we get to all of that, uh, part of Mike and I's conversation has been about Jalen Carter. And is, is this done? Are we? Is the information done as far as what we didn't know? And is there going to be a new bombshell report that comes out? Is this pretty much over in this from the standpoint of the news aspect of this with Jalen Carter? Yeah, that's my understanding of it. He's got an arraignment on April 18th, and we'll see if anything additionally comes out of that. But if they were going to charge him with anything else, I'd like to think that they would have done so um, when he was first charged last Wednesday with reckless driving and uh, racing misdemeanor charges in that aspect. Again, you know, with the high-profile nature of this case, the fact that the AJC had the story that they had out on it last Wednesday. If there were more to charge him with, I believe they would have done so, and that would have already come out in talking to people, uh, you know, with regards to the NFL. Obviously, they're still gathering information on this, but it sounds like if these are the only two things that have come up with regards to Jalen Carter from the night of the January 15th car accident uh, that claim the lives of Devin Wilk and Chandler LaCroix, if that's it, I don't think it's going to greatly impact his draft status all that much. Uh, I don't think he was ever going to be the number one overall pick because I think a team would have ultimately traded up to get a quarterback there. But it sounds like, from my understanding, if this is the extent of these charges against Jalen Carter, which I believe that to be the case, then he'll probably still end up being a top pick. And quite frankly, I think he's going to be a top six or top five level pick. I know that uh, some folks were circling with the knives on the national media, but what did you think of Kirby's response when he finally did speak about all the stuff? Yeah, I mean, it's, a, it's certainly a measured response. It's a, you know, I don't necessarily know the right word for it, but, you know, you bring in a guy like Mark Schleybaugh, who's a respected journalist, 
with ESPN. You run the interview on six on six PM Sports Center on Friday. It shows you're at least in willing to open yourself up to media. Look, he's going to have obviously a lot more to say on this uh, when he meets with the media in Athens next Tuesday. You know, obviously this part of it that I'm sure he's going to say, you know, it's still an ongoing investigation in that part. Uh, you know, and this is a personal like Kirby doesn't need to open up his program, open up the books to media members in there. But I do think that there's, especially in situations like this where it seems like every national media, Yahoo out there wrote the same lazy column that Kirby has a culture program there, I, you know, when, when you have a lack of transparency in your program, that's what sort of you allow people to do. You know, I personally don't believe that Kirby has a, a culture problem in this program. You know, when you have 18 to 22-year-olds, they're going to do things like this. I know when I was 18 to 22, I had friends that were driving fast and were willing to race and things along the lines of that. You know, it's unfortunate that the event that happened happened. Um, but at the same point in time, I, I think Kirby answered some of the questions. He's obviously going to have to answer and continue to answer more. And it's just clear that this Georgia program is going to have to be a lot more buttoned up following these events. And, you know, look, like, there are kids racing on every college campus, and that doesn't excuse what happened. It's just sort of the reality of the situation. I, I you know, you hear every Georgia player, I believe, was asked in some aspect, does Georgia have a cultural problem? Is there something wrong with the culture of Georgia? I don't believe that to be the case. I think these, as Stetson Bennett said, are isolated incidents with individuals and not something systemic of a larger issue when it comes to the University of Georgia. We're talking with Connor Riley from Dog Nation here on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. And um, the other thing in regards to Georgia is the upcoming Pro Day and what do you expect there? What what do you expect from guys who want to maybe run better, you know, uh, show the scouts that they, they missed something at the Combine? Who needs to be better at their Pro Day than they were at the Combine, in your opinion? Uh, I think Keely Ringo's a guy to monitor there. Yes, he ran very well, ran a 4-3-6. I think he's got a chance to show some of the fluidity in terms of the agility drills and also the position drills there. I don't think he solidified himself as a first-rounder, certainly in the way that Nolan Smith and Darnell Washington did in that aspect. I think Chris Smith and Kenny McIntosh are probably going to want to have better showings. You know, neither of them ran well, but neither of them were ever going to run well. These are not super-plus athletes in that aspect, and they're better, in my opinion, football players than, you know, true athletes uh, in terms of testing and spandex and underwear Olympics and things like that that you've heard of the Combine before. And the big thing, you know, what does Jalen Carter do? Uh, he had previously said that he wasn't going to work out at the Combine. He was going to work out at Georgia's Pro Day. There are going to be a lot of eyes on him there. And there's, I, I imagine it to be one of the more packed Pro Days in the history of Pro Days. And, I, you know, I could see where he likes not to work out and just not have to deal with the questions and, and things of that nature that come with that. But there are going to be a lot of NFL teams interested in seeing him, getting a look under the proverbial hood, so to speak. And so it's going to be really, really interesting what Jalen Carter decides to do next Wednesday, uh, March 15th, with Georgia's Pro Day. I know they uh, they rolled with Jordan Schaefer. Well, that was the he was a fifth-round pick, right? Uh, and he did not have a chance to really kind of crack the starting lineup. And, again, everyone develops at their own pace. What about a guy like Broderick Jones going to the next level? Mm. Yeah, so I think Broderick Jones, I personally believe he should be the first offensive lineman taken in this draft. Uh, I know a lot of people like Peter Skarnowski, Paris Johnson – I think Roger Jones is just scratching the surface in terms of what he can do as a football player. Uh, and you've seen him play in big spots before and come up big. 
uh, getting thrust into the national championship game against Alabama. And really, if you look at the rushing splits before he came in and after he came in, the way he really opened things up there. He's a super athletic dude who I think is going to be able to handle some of these elite pass rushers that he's going to see at the next level. But the area where he was best in college was his ability to get downfield as a run defender and really open things up and, and manhandle uh, you know, linebackers and safeties there, not just get his hands on them but finish them and put them through the ground. Uh, I, I think Brodrick Jones is everything a team should be looking for in a first-round offensive tackle. He actually measured in bigger at the combine than he had been listed at UGA. He was listed at six foot four. He measures in at six foot five, which I think is a clear, you know, dividing line of marcation in terms of what teams look for in tackles. He's got 34-inch arms. He's everything I think physically you'd want in an offensive tackle. And I think when teams get down to sit with him, they're really going to like his makeup and what he's going to be able to do. And what he's also, I think, going to continue to grow into in terms of being a left tackle at the next level. Connor Riley, our guest, guys. We're talking all things SEC, all things dogs. Bryant Kelly of LSU told ESPN on Monday that he's in favor of facing a nine-league or nine games in the league schedule. And he wants to keep Alabama as their permanent opponent. But he says, quote, I want to play the best. Okay, so we know Texas and Oklahoma are coming. And, Connor, we've been having this conversation for two years, thinking we wouldn't have to have it until 2025. They're coming in a year early. Where does the league go when it comes to this scheduling situation? Yeah, the the SEC, I believe, wants to go to a nine-game schedule. And the reason doing so is because there's somewhat of a belief that, that going to a ninth game, getting an extra SEC game, allows them to go back to ESPN and renegotiate their television contract. That's what's driving all of this and the ability to do that. Uh, you know, I think ultimately they're going to go to a three-permanent rivalry system and set up that is, again, not official, but that is my understanding of the situation. We'll see what Georgia ultimately ends up doing in terms of who their three are. I feel very confident that Florida and Alabama – are going to be two of them. I think a lot of people would like to see Tennessee. I don't think Tennessee is going to be one of the permanent rivals for Georgia. I think South Carolina, maybe even Kentucky, is a more possible option in that. But I do think we're going to go to a nine-game schedule. And one of the difficulties in this is balancing, you know, who are those permanent rivals. But also, okay, so let's say, you know, Alabama, because I know Nick Saban has raised complaints about this. You're playing Tennessee, LSU, and Auburn on a yearly basis. Well, yes, you're seeing them every year. It also means you're more likely on a year on an every other year schedule. You're more a more likely to see you know the Vanderbilt's, Missouri's, Kentucky's of the world. But also you know because you're playing those three teams every year, they're not going to load you up with one year where you're playing Oklahoma, Texas, Georgia, and Florida all at once. Like they're the SEC. While I understand some people be not wanting to play a loaded schedule, the SEC is going to do the best job they possibly can in making these future nine game schedules. I believe as balanced as they can from top to bottom. Because while ultimately, yes, you have people like Brian Kelly, and I think the average college football fan in general, they want to see the best teams play the best teams. They're also going to want to try and make it fair so that everyone has an equal shot of ultimately winning the SEC championship, even if we know that to be something that's not really possible given the talent makeup that Georgia and Alabama compared to, say, a Vanderbilt and a South Carolina. Is it partly, as uh, Connor Riley joins us, guys, Kate Connor Riley on Twitter for all you Dog Nation fans, that uh, they don't really make any more money? I read a few articles that said that if they go jump from eight to nine with the way their TV package, you know, they don't, they don't really, it doesn't behoove them because they don't get more loot over it. Right. They, if they just go from eight to nine, 
what the league wants to do is, is renegotiate that television deal to get more money. Right. And if ESPN says no to that, because that ESPN Disney is who negotiated their deal and who the deal starting, I believe, in 2024 will be with. Uh, if they just say, no, we're not going to renegotiate this, then maybe perhaps you see them a, a more willingness to go to an eight-game schedule. But the belief is that if you can get to nine games and you can get more money from ESPN because you're adding an extra SEC game every year and that's extra inventory for ESPN, that's the driver of that. But ESPN could very easily say, no, we're not going to renegotiate this deal, and then the SEC is going to have a decision to make. And that, in that circumstance is where it becomes much more appealing to have, say, an eight-game schedule where you have teams at the bottom of the rung, you know, uh, Arkansas, uh, Mississippi State, that they need that extra non-conference game, make it a little bit easier. That way they can get the six wins and get to a bowl game and get the bowl revenue that comes with that. Connor, it's always a pleasure to talk with you. We'll talk next week about Dominic Lovett. Uh, named the top five transfer. We've got other things we'll be talking about that the uh, pro day, lots to get to as Georgia continues its offseason. And before you know it, it'll be G Day, hey. the big spring game. And Connor, real quick, Carl asked me, put me on the spot. I say nine, nine George, Georgia Bulldogs, nine make it to the NFL. They get drafted. What do you say? Uh, I 12 guys at the combine. I will take 10. Okay. Uh, I think they have 10 guys drafted. I think Robert Beal gets drafted. It'll be interesting to see if they draft the kicker and jackpot Leslie, but right. I'll probably say no there. But I think 10 guys ultimately get drafted from this team. Great stuff, Connor. We'll talk to you next week. Appreciate it, man. Tell the people where they can follow your stuff. Yep, follow the Twitter at Kicker. Spring practice starts next Tuesday. As you guys mentioned, Pro Day is on Wednesday. Going to be a ton of Georgia news out there, and we'll have the latest for you at Dog Nation. All right, appreciate you, man. Coming up, guys, he told us a long time ago, you play to win, win the, the game. game. Are we playing to win the games? We'll talk to Herm Edwards next. Nine the game. It is Dukes and Bell Sports Radio 92.9 the game. Listen, when we have things going on around the NFL, we like to bring on experts, guys who have done it, who have been in the game, guys like Herm Edwards from ESPN. And, Herm, it's good to have you back on the show I got to ask you, what the hell is going on with all these teams saying they don't want to talk to Lamar Jackson? I don't understand it, Herm. What do you make of it? Well, you know, when when when, I, when this all came out uh, yesterday, I, I was a little bit puzzled. Um, I can't recall uh, when free agency started, and I was supposed to start Monday, right. that even before it started, a guy like Lamar Jackson is being talked about as we're not in. And I'm like, really? Am, am, is this a new league? I don't, I don't understand. <laughs> Especially in the NFC South. You know, you look at the NFC South, mm-hmm. and I said two days ago, I was on, and I said, look, in the clubhouse leader right now is the Saints. They got Carr. They got a quarterback. So we know all these other teams are probably looking for a quarterback. And then now of them, they're saying, well, no, we're not in. So that means that obviously they're going to draft a quarterback. The thing is, Herm, I guess I've read a lot of things saying that uh, maybe the owners are pushing back because they hated that Jimmy Haslam gave the kind of contract he did to Deshaun Watson. And, and, and I mean, I don't want to say collusion yet, but, man, it looks fishy. And, and let me ask you this. Should Lamar have an agent? Would that have made any difference in this whole situation? Well, I think it, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't have become personal because the agent is always the buffer, right? And the agent can go out and visit with the market. Can you imagine a player – trying to do his own contract in today's world, he doesn't know all the GMs. He doesn't know all the people that are involved when it comes to a contract. 
Baltimore, he does. But trying to go somewhere else and trying to feel the pulse of what other teams are looking at and talking to those people, he doesn't have those connections. And so if you sit in there and all of a sudden it becomes personal, and let's just say for Baltimore's sake, they say, look, we're not guaranteeing you a contract. Uh, there's only been one in the league. And by the way, in the last two seasons, you've missed, two ga- you've missed, you've missed five games. You've missed ten games in the last two years when we're trying to make a playoff run. You don't travel with the team in December to go to Cincinnati with us. All these things start coming up in these meetings, and you take it personal. Yeah, it's uh, and it has become personal. Mm-hmm. Herm, I said both sides are dug in. That's part of the problem here as to why they didn't get a deal done over the last 25 months. Herm Edwards joining us here on Dukes and Bell. We're talking all things NFL, Lamar front and center because of all the things that have happened here over the last 24 hours. But as we talk about, you know, the Falcons, I want to get your opinions on our team. What do you think yeah. about what the Falcons are? Because part of the issue for me, Herm, is – you go get a guy like this, and it creates a buzz and excitement that this team hasn't had in many, many years. And it's something yeah. that the team and the city is lacking right now, which is what's bucking me about this. Well, not only do you get him, you, you let him wear number seven. <laughs> <laughs> and you know who wore number seven the last time they were down Yes, there. sir. That was that Mike Fitzgerald, right? You want to give him a buzz? <laughs> and, and actually, if you sign him, have Michael Vick at the signing at the signing date, giving him the jersey. Yes, yes. <laughs> Let's make something of it. Yeah, I mean, Her- Herm, we've got we got some nice pieces. Uh, but uh, as you as a head you coach, do. for but as a head coach for all those years, Desmond Ritter started a ton of games at Cincinnati. He's a third rounder. If he's a first rounder, it's different. But is four games enough to know what you got? No, nope. No, look, look. It really, you, you, you know, the quarterback position in four games, you 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 can't tell a whole lot. I mean, look, we're, we're talking about. Uh, the kid coming out of Florida, right? Right. And he's only played basically, what, 13 starts? Right. And we know he's raw. He's a talented guy, obviously. He checks all the boxes as far as talent-wise. But when you turn the tape on, he's, he's a raw player. I mean, and, and, you know, the problem with the quarterback position is this, guys. You know this. He plays with the ball. That affects your whole team, what he does with the ball, the decisions he makes with the ball, Right. That is the, that, that's the position, and this is why the position is always overpaid because when you have a quarterback, you can set your team. Now, your team is set. Now you can go get pieces, but the big piece is the quarterback. The big – Atlanta, did you hear that? Yep. The big piece is the quarterback. It's Herm Edwards. And look, and they're probably – look, they're probably going to try to get one in the draft, right? We know that. The Falcons are going to be sitting there, and they're going to try to get a quarterback in the draft. There's some young quarterbacks that are coming out um, that, that will be terrific. But here again, you start a rookie quarterback, get ready because right. it's going to be tough. Mm. It is. By the way, the Bryce Young stuff, as we're talking to Herm Edwards guys, 10 years in the league, coach, coach in college, coach in the pros. Do, do you feel the Bryce Young thing is – the size thing is one thing if you can move like a guy like Kyler Murray, but he's truly a pocket passer. We compare him to a guy like Drew Brees, nice comparison. But do you think it's much to do about nothing, his size? No, size, you know, some some people will, will shy away from it. I'm not saying he's not a good player. But at the end of the day, do you want a 5'10 quarterback that weighs 195 pounds? Mm. You got to ask yourself that. And yeah. and it's okay. If you're, if you're okay with it, you know, Anthony Richardson is 6'4", huh. he's 240. And he runs 4-4. Or do you want a 5'10 guy that, that's a good player? He's a good player, boy. He's terrific. You know, some people say, well, 
I heard some somebody once somebody said, "Well, he's like Steph Curry." I said, "Yeah, but Steph Curry played basketball." <laughs> it's true. He doesn't get hit. You know, you know, he doesn't get he hit. Don't play. And in basketball, you know, when you're the stars now, I watch basketball. When those guys drive to the lane, they don't knock them down anymore. Back in the seventies and eighties, the guys are on the floor. You go into the paint. They don't do that anymore in basketball, right? But when you look at it, I, I said, I get that. He, he, you know, look, there is no doubt what that kid did at Alabama. I recruited him when he came out of high school. And he's a fabulous guy. There's, and he's a good player. But the question will be with some teams, yeah, he's the first-round talent, but he's 5'10", he weighs 195 pounds. Um, no, I want a bigger quarterback. And that's okay. Was that your rule when you were in the league and coaching? Did you have a rule where certain positions, if you didn't fit yeah. the stature, I'm not going after you? That's exactly right. And that doesn't make you wrong. That doesn't make you right. How do you want to build your team? You know, what what what, what does it look like? That's what you got to ask yourself. And the quarterback, they come in all different shapes and sizes. Mm-hmm. But look, if the, the guy's a winner, he can win, he can do all that. I'm not saying he might, he, he might, he might light it up and be a Pro Bowl guy. But the thing you're always going to have to wonder is this. Mm-hmm. If it doesn't work out, you drafted a 5'10 quarterback. And right. that's what people will say. Right. Right? If you draft a six four quarterback and it doesn't work out, well, it wasn't the big athlete didn't work out. <laughs> but you draft a five ten guy, right? Right. It covers your butt. You draft a 5'10 guy. Everybody's looking at you like, hey man, is this thing gonna work? Uh, hey man, right? it is. It is Herm Edwards, man. We always love getting Herm on the show. And that's the thing about Anthony Richardson. You touched on his lack of experience, yeah. tremendously inconsistent. But you look at the guy's yeah. size, and you're like, wow. I mean, this this dude can be running over people, as opposed to what you just talked about with about Bryce Young. Yeah, and Bryce Young is polished. He's got a lot of poise. Look, he played in the SEC. I get it. I understand all that. I'm not taking anything worth from this young man. He's going to get drafted in the first round. But everybody's going to watch and going to look the next four years. Is he? How is he playing? Is he in the league? Has he been injured? You know, these quarterbacks now, I mean, you've got big people on the other side of the ball that can run fast. They're big, man. You look at some of these linebackers and some of these defensive ends and linemen now, I mean, guys, they're running. They're running four six, yeah. weighing three hundred and fifteen pounds. I'm like, what is this? It's a different league than it was twenty years ago. It is. It's Herm Edwards, guys. Uh, Herm, are the Jets a quarterback away? The next domino to fall or drop is going to be Aaron making his decision. We know Woody Johnson flew out Cali to see him. Yeah. We were discussing this on the show earlier. I want your opinion on this. I know they got some talented young players. Is Aaron Rodgers get them to the Super Bowl? Wait a minute now. I'll say this. Aaron Rodgers gives them a chance, okay. a chance okay. to obviously win the division. Okay. And some people say maybe they're the favorite. I do know this. When you look at the AFC, close your eyes and listen to these names. Okay. You got Allen. You got Tua. You got Burroughs. If Lamar, if he goes back, you got Lawrence. You got Mahomes. You got Herbert. That's the gauntlet of quarterbacks you're dealing with. In the AFC. That's the AFC. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of quarterbacks over there now. Now, now Aaron Rodgers? Right. Look, this offense, 17 points a game to Jets. 32nd, uh, 31st in red zone. Can't score points. 28th in, on third down. Your offense is better. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, but now you've got a chance. You've got a chance. But it's not like, okay, Aaron Rodgers walks in, we're going to the Super Bowl. you got to go through a lot of quarterbacks over there, right? right? He gives you a chance. He gives you a fighting chance. The offense is set. 
offensive coordinator was his coach in Green Bay, Hackett. Right. Aaron Rodgers is a guy, he listens to all this. Trust me, guys. He has something. If he decides to go there, he's going to say, okay, I heard what everybody's saying. I got something to prove. Well, he has something to prove. He's, he's been the MVP. Mm-hmm. So it's one of those things. But the problem is this, guys. You don't know after the Jets leave, is he going back in the cave? <laughs> don't know. And that just did. I don't know. Yeah, he's, I, I don't know if he can handle the heat. I know some guys feel to roll off his back because he doesn't care. But that New York media, you know what it's like, Herm. That's a, that's a meat grinder. Oh, I tell you what, it, you, you got to put your boxing gloves on. You're walking there now. You got to be ready. Mm. Hey, real quick, just as a former head coach, and how much were you yes. involved with your general manager at the combine? And did you look? Did you fall in love with guys at the combine, or was it still all about the tape and their four years or three years in college? No, you know what, and, and, and you make a great point because you can fall in love with guys, and the tape always bails you out. But if it's close, the guy you feel comfortable with, that's the guy you're going to draft. Because there's this thing of just, okay, I feel good about this guy. You know, just I, I like this guy on our football team. I think he can help my football team. Look, Aaron Rodgers will help the Jets. Aaron Rodgers will get the locker room excited. There's no doubt about that. Does his personality fit in that locker room? Don't know that. Don't know that. So all these things become a factor. Players, and got to know this, it's probably a one-year deal. He might play one year and say, I'm done. I'm out. Yeah. Right? Yeah, no long-term future there. They're yep. saying these things. Aaron, he's coming. That's all. We're gonna sign him to a three-year deal. Oh, really? You, 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 you it's a one-year deal. <laughs> Harm, before we let you go, I just—you've seen a lot of football in your life. If you yes. are the Atlanta Falcons, do you at least pick up the phone and call Lamar? Look at here. Starting Monday, he getting the phone call. Okay. That's I'm going to have a conversation. That's all I need to hear. I'm going to have a conversation. That's all I need to hear. I ain't going to say no. I mean, look, and, and they might already have their plan. Look, I'm not trying to get that, that organization. Look, I'm not, look, they got to do what they got to do. But for teams already to be saying they're out, that was kind of strange to me. Mm. Have you ever heard that? No. Never. Collusion. Think about that. Collusion. Never. This Guys. It's just like. Why are you out? I mean, I get it. I mean, I know there's some young, there's five young quarterbacks. Look, I'm gonna tell you something. That kid Hendon Hendon Hooker, who's hurt. Right. Yeah, Tennessee. Look out for that guy. That that guy's a good quarterback, man. I mean, he, he's not not a, he's not in the first round, not second round, the third round or something. If you need a young guy that you're willing to develop and let him sit for a year, he's a guy you got to look at now. Hmm. Hendon Hooker had a great year. Uh, Bills, Broncos, Browns, Cardinals, Chiefs, Cowboys, Giants, Rams, Saints. They all got quarterbacks. Bengals, Chargers, Mm. Eagles all have guys on rookie deals that are going to get paid. Jags. That's it. Everybody else is looking for one, including us. All right, Herm, we got to run, man. We appreciate you as always. Herm Edwards, great work. Continued success. We look forward to our next visit. Appreciate you. Cool. All right, guys, you want tickets to go check out Snoop Dogg, Wiz Khalifa, Too Short, Warren G. It's happening Wednesday, August 9th, 2023 at Lakewood Amphitheater. Tickets go on sale March 10th at 9 a.m. on Ticketmasters. We're giving you a chance to win two right now for listening to Dukes and Bell. 404-741-0929. Caller 7 is going to win tickets to go see Snoop dog mike what do we got coming up in guy talk you're never going to believe who's getting into the uh vodka seltzer business i'll tell you that and carl we've heard of cocaine bear 
in Cincinnati. It's Cocaine Cat next. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Yeah, buddy, hump day. Hope everybody's having a good one. Uh, Carl, remember last time I had some sod delivered to the dojo? These yeah. These are the conversations Carl and I have. We used to have conversations like, we'll meet you at the Cheetah, now is my putting fescue in. But anyway, uh, it came early. The delivery came like four days early. Really? Yes, it did. So... Unless, unless I missed an email or something. <laughs> so... Needless to say, I was I was doing some roto-tilling with a gas-powered tiller squid, Billy. No electric battery-powered stuff today with my father-in-law, who used to own a farm that was 400 acres, over my shoulder like Sergeant Hulk and Stram's going, slow down, you're tilling too fast. So I had that going for me today, but I got like all this, literally like a 1,000 square feet of stuff just showed up at the house. So who's going to help you with this? I got a, I got a guy. I got, but a dude, Jesse, who does a really, by the way, he's a big listener and he's studying to be an EMT. And, okay. he, and he works like three jobs. And I'm going to give him a nice big tip on this one, but great job. So I just want to give him a shout out. But yeah, man, so you'd be proud of me, Squid. Gas powered. Poor course, I poured gas all over myself. Now I stink. Can't get, you can't get that smell off, by the way. <laughs> Never comes off. Well, I mean, you can use why. borax. You can use you done, the smell. I can, I can still smell it, right? I can't get that smell off your hands. Well, you know, Mike, you're supposed to pour it in the tank, not yes. on yourself. And there's always some overflow. It wasn't like it was a gallon tank. Anyways, I'm like, I'm the hell with this. I'm not going to argue with you. Well, this is why you should use gas-powered products more. You'd actually know how to put gas in the That's tank. That's why you use battery power. You don't have to deal with all this crap and the inconvenience, Carl. That's <laughs> right. Right, Chris? Thanks, Chris. Hey, man, uh, how about if I told you one of your favorite 90s drinks, or maybe even for kids in the 80s, that was always tasty, you come running home to mom, and maybe you played baseball in the old days or whatever, hoops, and like, hey, we got any Sunny D in the fridge? <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, Sunny D. Sunny D is now in the vodka seltzer business. Oh, is it really? Yes, apparently a lot of people have been using Sunny D as a mixer. Which, again, like an orange mixer of some sorts, whatever the flavor would be. So the new hard seltzer will come out like they're selling most of these guys. And a pack of four features the signature tangy orange flavor. So if you remember your uh, your Sunny D when you were a kid, now it comes with vodka, 95 calories and 4.5% alcohol by volume. Wow. Which is kind of standard. It is. Uh, would you Would you want that? Well, I got to be honest. I think those Trulies have no flavor, but those things are hot. And that kind of started the whole thing just exploding. And I got to be honest with you. I like those Topo Chicos. We've talked about that. Yes. Somebody like a Squid. What's the ones that you dig? There's a, I mean, the suburbs, everybody's drinking these things. If you're on the boat, if you're lucky enough, or in the pool or the beach, it's convenient. But uh, I, I got to be honest. Yeah, those, those Topo Chicos aren't bad. The one thing which we've gotten into as far as, like a, I guess, technically is a malt beverage. I don't know how you describe the, the brand. Are those... Crown and Colas that we had at the Hawks game a few weeks ago. Oh, those are Man, the best. Man, are those good. Yeah, those are those are the best, bro. Seriously. 
I know that uh, I like Greyhound. Uh, it's Dixie Vodka makes a Greyhound one that really tastes good. They also have a Tony Stewart that has a tea, an iced tea, which you can't even taste the hooch. Matter of fact, you probably mix that with something and you'd be blotso. But anyway, Sunny D, apparently they, a lot of folks said let's make one because uh, they did some taste testing. And uh, they had participants, 57, more than half said uh, Sunny D vodka seltzer tasted better than the other hard seltzers currently on the market. So I guess they felt they did their market research, their due diligence, and now they're rolling it out. That's crazy. Listen, everybody's in this. You said it. Everybody's in the seltzer business. Right. Mike, obviously, we need to get in the seltzer business. I don't know if we can pull this off. Hey, man, seltzer. I think, you know what? I mean, I know that they're starting to mess with the seltzer stuff out of the Coney Brewing out there in Greensboro. I'm yeah, telling you, man. we might have to get on this, man. Can we call it Hey Woman? <laughs> <laughs> or is that is that copyright infringement on Rocky Three? Uh, it, it might be. Yeah, it might be. Hey, uh, but, woman, get some you know real what? man. I kind of like that, though. Right? I, I mean, kinda... if Taylor is listening out there at the brewery, where, where, where the, the wheels are turning, the wheels are churning. Hey, man, uh, we heard about Cocaine Bear. Uh, one of Ray Liotta's final movie appearances, by the way, as he passed away recently. And it's gotten some pretty good reviews if you know what you're going to the theater to see. And you're going to get that, which is hijinks, a little bit of the hangover with a caper and guys and a bear. That is a CGI bear, by the way, not a real bear that's all coked up and doing those things. Well, <laughs> oh, Ohio authorities outside of uh, Cincinnati uh, had a bit of a cat caper, uh, January traffic stop. An animal jumps out of a car and quickly climbs a tree. And apparently it's a, it's a cat, but it doesn't look like your normal garden variety cat. It's got really big ears, and it's got stripes like a cheetah. So what exactly is this thing? Apparently it's uh, found on a uh, savanna in Africa. It's a hybrid F1 feline is what they describe this thing as. What is it? A hybrid F1. Now, again, if you know your felines in the, on the savanna, that's the, you know, the, the, pra- the, the prairies, the grasslands, whatever, of Africa. It's a cat. It's like a, it looks like a cross between like a, like a miniature cheetah or something, but like meets a house cat with big, with big ears. I'll post the photo and you guys can decide. Where it gets interesting is when they finally got the guys from Animal Control to get this critter out of the tree it jumped into, they took it to an animal shelter, and eventually they took it to the zoo, and they gave it the once-over. And it turns out is uh, it had cocaine in its system. <laughs> Toxicology came back. The animal was positive for narcotics. Unclear how it got the narcotics in its system, but they were able to identify this uh, this kind of critter for what it was. And they apparently are working with the owner. Now, i got to be honest. First off, if you got this kind of pet in your house, you're a big baller. And yes. needless to say, the party kind of got a little bit out of control. It's true. So like, hey, man, let's do some bumps with the cat. <laughs> So, no charges have been filed, by the way. So, yeah, but, listen, everybody, has anybody seen, co- I say this, right. Cocaine Bear, like our audience, how, is Chris, it really good? It? I've heard mixed reviews, but if, no. you, if you go in knowing what you're getting, you won't be disappointed. If you're All looking, right. again, if you're looking for good fellas, you're not going to get that. <laughs> it's, it's it's more like the hangover with the you know with the CGI bear. Hey man, we don't really do on this day in history, but I gotta drop this one because it's the biggest one of all time for boxing fans. On this date, Carl, in 1971, Smoking Joe Frazier, yeah. unanimous 15 round decision over Muhammad Ali at the Garden, the fight of the century. And as the late great Bert Sugar said, the winner actually lost the fight and the loser won the fight. If you go and look at the career trajectories between Smoke and Joe and Ali. Yeah, listen, man. Uh, it, arguably the greatest fight ever. Yeah. Right? I mean, yeah. and it, I think it was, I forget it was, uh, uh, who the uh, referee was in the, in the ring. It was Riccanti, the senior. He's seen some of the greatest punches he ever saw thrown in the ring. Yeah, great stuff. 
Hey, man, coming up, we're going to talk about something we did not expect to get today, but we got it, and I'm glad we did. Stay right there. It's Dukes and Bell.